five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga. Bazinga. Hello, and welcome back to the Now Showing podcast. It has been some time, hasn't it? And uh, I'm joined, as always, by Manchester's answer to Mark Kermode, John Link with Donald. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's nice to be nice to be back after a couple of weeks, and nice to also be put in the same esteem as, <laughs> as the legendary Mark Kermode. Yeah, of course. Uh, two weeks ago, we had a bonus episode, uh, so that came out normal for you lot. But uh, with there's analytics, but I wasn't recording because I was away. Last week, you know, sad loss of my dog, my childhood dog. So I was not really in the mood for recording. But I thought this week we'd do last week's and this week's in some sort of special cinema return special. Uh, we all know that uh, obviously the the cinemas of July, I think July the 31st for for Cineworld and kind of around that date for other cinemas uh, have started to come back. A lot of repeats showings, you know, stuff like uh, you know, classic films. A, a lot of uh, releases that are supposed to come out, uh, smaller releases that are supposed to come out in in the March to uh, to the now time. So um, we we watched uh, six of those, one of which, uh, which the hunt was originally came out in March and has been reshowed. One of which is a Netflix film that's come along at the same time as the cinema's coming out. Maybe some sort of Netflix competition, uh, which is uh, Project Power. And we're doing little five-minute short reviews of each one. Um, so that's a, a little bit of a different thing to get us back into the mood. You know, we've had to go out and, and watch six different films for this. Uh, but yeah, we've only watched um, half three films we've watched by Jordan, which were Unhinged, uh, An American Pickle, which we've talked a lot about on the podcast, <laughs> and The Hunt. And I watched Project Power, Proxima, and today I watched Baby Tooth. And uh, yeah, so we're getting out towards the end of the podcast. Of course, first we have to look first at the news. And before that, uh, what we've been watching. And before even that, we're starting off with the quiz. But this week, I haven't done the quiz, Jordan. You have. This is the first time you're you're throwing me a quiz. Well, you know, I I thought I'd get a bit of revenge since last time we did this. We had a 15-minute kissing booth in which I was kissing, you know, various celebrities from the (laughs) likes of Robert Downey Jr. to Timothy Chalamet, I think, was was in there at one point, maybe. But there's a a bunch of celebrities, so I've got my revenge this week. I've I've taken the reins on on the the quiz segment, so to speak. Uh, This week, you have... I've not told you about this. I'll give you a clue. I gave you a clue. Do you know what the clue was? was IMDb. IMDb. So I've stolen this idea from a YouTube channel. Uh, you can you can go and have a look if you want to have a look at the uh, the original pioneers of this format. But the the format is basically I've gone on IMDb for a bunch of films, looked at one star reviews, and you have to guess what the film is based on the one star review. So I've cropped out uh, I've cropped out certain parts which contain the name of the film or spoilers or very very obvious uh, clues. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the some of them didn't need editing. Some of them were just straight copy and paste. Um, and then, yeah, so you have... That's a very good idea. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, do, can you, can, do I, do you know if I've seen all of these or some of these like stuff like The Godfather and stuff that I just like? Um, so I think you've seen most of them and the ones you okay. might not have seen are very popular films. So you've okay. probably heard of, well, they're all films that you would have heard of at least. Yeah, of um, course, yeah. Okay, so there's 15 of these for every minute we wasted on The Kissing Booth. And a one for good luck. So there's 16 in total. So we're going to run through these really quickly, hopefully, not not spend 15... Well, we'll probably, we'll probably will end up spending 15 minutes on this because uh, that's revenge we for Kissing Booth. So, yeah. okay. I'm going, to, I'm going to read the first one. This is the first one you've got. So yep. this one is by a review on the 26th of May, 2020, by Dig Nuts. And this is the review. 
This dumb waste of time takes a single scientific factoid that has already been proven to be certainly untrue, interprets it in the most nonsensical way possible, and weaves a convoluted narrative around that one hinge point to project an utterly flaccid, one-dimensional and forced plot. What do you think that is? Ooh, my immediate thought, the scientific fact. Transcendence? Is that what you're going with? Yeah. Nope, it was Inception. Ah, yes, a film I did see basically for the first time within the last week. I saw it when it came out and I couldn't remember because I was a wee child. Yeah, that makes sense. I was thinking, yeah, because there was another, there was a Scarlett Johansson film, I can't, if I remember correctly, that was all about like using... Lucy. Yeah, that. So I thought it was either that or Transcendence, but I thought Transcendence wasn't very good, but it was around like the whole concept of using your brain. Yeah, Yeah, that... Well, yeah, that review is obviously stupid because it's not supposed to be realistic at all. Like, state the <laughs> yeah, obvious. I think, that, yeah, I'm not sure if some of these reviews are like joke reviews. Like, to be yeah. honest, sometimes it's hard to tell on, on places like IMDb and Letterboxd. But um, regardless, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and just assume that these are all written seriously. Uh, some of mm-hmm. them might not be because some of them are for older films that have been written recently, so it could just be a joke. But either way, okay. it's still a bit good bit of fun. Okay, okay so next, zero next for one, one right now. Okay, yeah, next one. Go speed through these. Uh, this one is titled The Most Painful Experience of My Life from 5th of May 2010. It says, Believe it or not, there was 8 minutes and 36 seconds of credits on that pile of turd. That means nearly 1,000 people wanted their name to be associated with it, and some of those must be requested credits like second associate directors, assistants, executive producers, dog hairdressers, kind of thing. <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't people usually shy away from being associated with criminal activity? Like on Crime Watch, they not blur out people's faces. And this film is the biggest crime known to man. How? Why was it made? It lacked several key elements required to make a film. Namely, characters, plot, script, action, relevance, etc. I mean, I have no actual idea what this horseshit excuse for a film is about. Who was the bad guy? Why was he bad? What do you mean that is? So, the, the, the date might give mm. you a bit of a hint here. It's 2010. Um, 2010. I can't remember what year it came out. It might have been 2010. I'm not too sure, but uh, yeah. Ooh. I think so. It was. It's probably quite a big film, seeing as it. I'm gonna go for Avatar. Nope. It was Ooh. Sherlock Holmes. Really? Too far. I don't think that's a very good film at all. So, so but I also wouldn't say that strongly on it. So like, that was like, written by Plankas Kid UK. Plot. It's quite a simple <laughs> film, isn't it? Really? Like it's not that advanced of a concept. Yeah, I don't know. But Punk Ass Kid UK seems to think that I it's see. a crime to cinema. Okay, next film. That was 21st, a tough one, to be fair. 21st of January, 2020. The, the review title is Trash. Okay, this is the review. Mm. Where or where do I start? First to a lawyer to see if I have a case to get my money back, plus emotional distress from boredom and my wasted time. An hour and 27 minutes was all I could take. 45 minutes in, I said, okay, I'm sure it will pick up soon. 42 minutes later, I want to give up information I didn't know I knew. It was pure torture for bo- by boredom. I should have read reviews beforehand. The first, wa- first warning should have been the critics' reviews. Once those guys give a movie the thumbs up, you know it's bad. Then the Oscar nominations, another sign of a crap movie. Hmm. Which so, nice. Oh, you know, so uh, originally my first thought is so it's got to be something long. So I thought, and I just saw these, so I thought maybe, you know, Lord of the Rings are really long. Oscar nominations, obviously Return of the King won Best Picture. But then the critics giving a thumbs up. It is a norm, kind of, it's longer than he mentioned. So it's going to be, you know, I'm going to go for obviously extremely nominated and, and won a, a fair few I'm going to go for Parasite 
Nope. Ooh, it was fuck. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Really? Yep. By H. Lopez 42898. I see. So it doesn't wow. like Tarant- old, good old Tarantino. Yeah. Right, next up, you've got the title. Overpromoted. If I get one right, oh my god. Say it again. If I get one right, then I'm a god. I'll be I'll be I'll be proud if you get one right. So this one's overpromoted. Eighteenth of May twenty fourteen. I had to watch this film because of a film arts class I'm in. I've heard so much about this movie and I expect it to be fantastic to be fantastic. People said things like sets up sets a new bar will keep you on the edge of your seat and even best film ever made. I was genuinely disappointed after watching this film. It's just a bunch of mindless explosions and chase scenes. However, I understand that a great deal of people do in fact enjoy watching this kind of film and I should have expected this kind of letdown from an action film. Although on the same note, I expected it to have more substance. I probably would have appreciated it more if I had if it had maybe oh I don't know a real plot or story of some kind the insignificant storyline it did have was so hard to follow anyways because of all the explosions crashing and fighting it could have been so much better what do you think that is hmm classic film greatest of all time I mean the original when I first thought that I was thinking oh man I don't know because it's the explosions that are throwing me off you know I, I I'll give you a clue it's not Transformers <laughs> well, famously described as the greatest film of all time mm-hmm. uh, shit so it won't be something like because it could be greatest of all time stuff like Seven Samurai or God, uh, the, the Godfather things like that are normally called like the greatest film of all time Shawshank Redemption but they don't have explosions and chase scenes mm-hmm. so I mean despite oh god it's, it's a tough one despite the lack of explosions I'm going to go for a film that you know I've seen obviously I'm going to go for Blade Runner nope it was Raiders of the Lost Ark oh I said Raiders I said Blade Runner and um, and Star Wars both of which star Harrison Ford so I get half a point Uh, you get a quarter of a point let's go you're a quarter of the way to a full point let's go man next up right this one is from West West Air West I don't know how to say it 22nd of November 2013 Wait a second How do people not understand The plot of Raiders of the Lost Ark Anyway carry on I don't know Anyway This review is titled Watch the movie And I changed my browser Search engine to Bing Okay (laughs) Oh Um Uh The Um Oh The That's not the review But if you want to guess Based on the title Go for it Um It's The God I can't remember the name of it the one with the the one about Google with Vince Vince Vaughn. Um, the oh, fuck the intern the internship. Yes, you are correct. Let's go. Well the done. To be fair, this uh, this review was very very quite clear, like based on what it said. But the fact you got it off the just the title of the review that's that's extra credit. I give one you one half points. I give you one and a quarter points, so you're on one point five yep. points. Let's go. Okay, next up, you've got two thousand seventh of September, two thousand seven, and the title is eighty fifth best movie of all time. Give me a break. <laughs> the review reads geez IMDB has become incredibly unreliable there used to be a time that a high rating for a movie meant something nowadays it's pretty much standard fare for anything that's popular this movie while I can see why many would like it is average at best too many people with undiscerning taste coming in here and giving 10s to every movie they watch 
As for the movie, predictable, formulaic, American slash Hollywood approach to animation. Not very funny either. I think I gave a minor chuckle once. I'd give it a three or four, but given all the tens given by people who probably don't even watch many movies outside of the Hollywood establishment, giving it a one star. So, what do you think that is? Hollywood approach to animation is the only big uh, hint there and getting loads of high ratings, I'm going to therefore go for Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse. Oh, it's 2007, don't forget. Oh, 2007. Ooh, I see. Sorry, I thought it was 2017. Even that might be too late. Yeah, it's too um, late. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Um, Hollywood approach to animation. So I don't know if this is going to be CGI or, or kind of traditional animation. I'm going to go for 2007. What came out? I'm going to go for... Well, no. I don't know. What what could be that highly... Re- uh, Toy Story 2? But obviously it didn't come out in 2007, but I mean, like... Is that what you're going for? Yeah, I'm going to go for Toy Story 2. It is a Pixar film, but it's Ratatouille. I was going to say Ratatouille, and then that, that was one of the things, because I thought, obviously, um, Toy Story 2 came out in the 90s, but I was thinking, mm, 2007, quite liked Pixar, Ratatouille, but I thought, as if Ratatouille's 85th all the time, like, Ratatouille's like, not that good. Is that actually really considered that good? It's good, it's I fine. Think it's, I think it's very good. But I don't want to say it's for all time. It's cute. Anyway, we're, we're running out of time and I also yeah. don't know how many we've done. I would count, but I don't have the time. So I'm just going to move okay. on to the next Speed one that I know we haven't done, which is from 2014. And this title is Utterly Stupid Movie. And the review says, this is an amazingly stupid movie. No plot, no point, no reason for it to act to ex- exit I'm assuming that says exist I love mm-hmm. science fiction because of that I'm very forgiving of science fiction movies it's hard to write science fiction and I think it's even harder to make a science fiction movie but this movie is unforgivable simply because it's insane what's the point you already knew where it was going so why bother making it and much less watching it should have stopped watching it right after it started stupid me science fiction 2014 okay um think um, I try. I'm quite bad at placing times. I'm gonna go for gravity. Nope. It was Edge of Tomorrow, or Live Die Repeat, really? however you wanna call it. Yeah. Okay. Next up is from 2018. The review from 2018, and the title is Shaky Cam Fest, <laughs> and the review simply reads, "Gawful," which I'm assuming means god awful. Shaky cam action scenes are unwatchable dreck. When will movies stop using it? When we stop paying them to ruin movies, demand a refund. <laughs> what film spammed Shaky Cam? Uh, uh, Mad Max Fury Road? <laughs> <laughs> nope. This was Captain America Civil War. Oh, yeah, fair enough, actually. Okay, next up is from 2020. Uh, from Diana421, and it's uh, the review title is If Only Understood a Word the Main Actors Said. <laughs> Parasite. Re- nope. The review. No, no I'm, I'm not going to. I'll read the that, review before I let you guess. That was a joke. It says If you're an American, get ready to strain yourself to understand a word the main actors are saying. I never train understood spotting. why. Say again. Train spotting. My guess is train no, spotting. Nope, it's not that. I okay. never understood well, I guess- why Brits hoping to make money in US use actors where 80% of their dialect will not be understood by Americans. Had to stop the movie after 10 minutes. The actual answer was legend. I see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with the Cray Twins, isn't it? Yep. Okay, yeah. next up. Really quickly moving on. Uh, this one, title, from this is from 2020. Title is Boringly Mundane. 
And the review reads, I will start off by saying the one star is purely for the cinematography. It's quite visually pleasing, and the setting is too. But that doesn't make up for what this film lacks in depth, storyline, and being a total waste of time. This film looks pretty, but it's so boring you're constantly checking the time. Yes, it won an Oscar. Yes, it's artsy. But neither of those mean it's good. There are way better films out there with an actual narrative worth watching to keep you actually entertained. Not only is the base of the story boring, but I'm also disappointed. How much that could um, be? The artist? Nope, it's Call Me By Your Name. Really? I fucking hate that person. <laughs> Next up. That was almost identical, with the exception of the Oscar line, that was basically my my Aquaman review read out. <laughs> Next up. This one is from 2008, and the title is Few, What a Stinker. Truly a stinker. Based on the trailer, I wanted to see this as it promised to be funny. So much star power, so much effort, so many good movies to parody and steal from. What an absolutely abysmal execution. Further insult was the inside jokes for those of us inexperienced in the film, TV, theatre industry that just fell flat. Come on, how can you screw those up? I can't fault the actors as they were doing the best with what they had. What an awful script. For a moment, I couldn't believe that Ethan Cohen was the writer. Then I realised it was Ethan Cohen. I pity the editors who put this together, especially considering this was the best of what was shot. Hmm. Pa- so much to parody. I'm going to guess... I don't know how many parody, big parody films there are. Therefore, I'm going to go for, like, Disaster Movie. Nope. This was Tropic Thunder. Oh, I see. It's not really... Yeah, I get... Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Parodying, parodying okay. Hollywood. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, next up, uh, we got, like... I don't know, four left or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is Worst Movie Ever from 2020. Nice. The most- Say it again. Just nice. That's, not, that's like such a classic one-star review uh, yeah. title. And the review is The Most Boring Thing Ever. I don't know why this thing lasts, lasts so goddamn long. I gave it a try, but fell asleep five times, and I was at the movies. You should go and see this film, because it will solve all your insomnia problems. I'll sleep like a horse. It's got to be something long. And much again, the only thing that is on my head is the longest film I've ever seen at cinema, which I saw last week, which was Return of the King. And that's for about three hours and a half. Let's go for that. Nope. It was Little Women. (laughs) What a genius, man. Yeah, I agree. That's, yeah, first good review here. Okay. We've got three left. We'll really quickly breeze through these because we're, what, 18 minutes in? Yeah. Okay. Next one is again, title, Worst Movie Ever. From May 2003, the review is Worst story, paper-thin plot, worst effects, worst music. I can't understand why more than 25% of the votes on this movie of votes are 10. View few options. They are all liars or don't know anything about quality motion pictures. Oh, wow. That is a strong one. Um, shit, what's really highly rated from like the two, mid to early 2000s? Um, well, bear in mind that... Bear in mind that um, IMDb would have only been released yeah. like okay yeah, I'm just going to go for 75% of 5 stars I'm therefore going to go for The Godfather nope it was Jaws I agree Jaws. I didn't say 1 star Jaws is overrated but worst effects worst music yeah, no, paper thin plot I, mean, I definitely wouldn't say that no yeah it's like a at least a 3 star film okay next up you have 2 left uh, you, yep. can, you can decide which order they're going to be in so pick a number 1 or 2 uh, I go for two. Okay, number two is okay from two thousand October two thousand, and the title review, the title of the review is absolutely awful sentimentality. 
And the review is, I waited until I'd seen this film for the second time before making a judgement. My initial reaction was correct. It is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Only Bean was worse. The film fails ev- <laughs> out everywhere, <laughs> apart from the acting. The script, locations, some appalling dialogue and dreadful sentimentality that must be lost on a non-US audience. Absolutely awful. Saving Private Ryan. You're close. It's the other Tom Hanks film, Forrest Gump. Really? Wow. Um, that half a point, final. a quarter of a point. Do we get that? Nice. Okay, you can, have, you can have a quarter of a point. Let's go, man. I've got three and a point seven five. Yeah. <laughs> Out of 15. Yes, let's go, man. Okay, next up, last one is titled, it's from 2020. The review yep. title of the title of the review is What the Hell with three question marks. <laughs> and the, the review is one sentence. My eyes and ears were sore after watching this film. It's got to be the worst film I've ever seen. Who? Um, eyes and ears. Is that loud? Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to make another guess that I've already had for Mad Max Fury Road. You are correct. Let's go. I agree again. That's okay. two, 2.75 points out of 16. Let's nice. go! I love how the two of you you like the most were the Little Women and Mad Max Fury Road ones. <laughs> Those, yeah, exactly. My, my my hipster opinions. Right. Well, there you go. Did 2. you have Dark Phoenix review in there for my other hipster opinion? What was that? Dark Phoenix is excellent. That's my other hipster opinion. Oh, okay. That, Little Women, Mad Max, trash, and Dark Phoenix, good. Are my like three hipster opinions that I like just sit on. Right, well, we won't, you won't start another debate because there'll be another 20 minutes of, of discussion <laughs> at that point. But little Women is a masterpiece. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, that wasn't normal enough. Little Women is a fucking masterpiece, you bastard. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like Sean Bean or something. <laughs> I wish. Anyway, I'm that's uh, right. ending off the quiz. I've done notoriously worse than I think you've ever done at any quiz. Um, that was a hard yeah, one, to be fair. T- it could have been a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of those are quite ambiguous. But, yeah. um, but yeah, so yeah. I've got an idea as well. So I think next, maybe the next podcast episode or maybe the one after that, depending on if you want to take the reins back for a week. Um, but I've got another idea, which is to uh, give you two actors or actresses or whatever. Um, I don't really use that word, but some people do, so sure. And um, then determine whether they've been in a film together or not before. And if they have, if you name one of the films they've been in together, you get a bonus yeah, point. So that's yeah, the that's quite a good idea. idea yeah, so that that's definitely one we can uh, we can try uh, whether it be next week or the week after. We'll have to see. But yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, that was fun. I always like the uh, the quizzes. And uh, yeah, I think that brings us up to the end of that section. And we're going to start off with the as always what we've been watching. So I'm going to start off. This isn't really what I've been watching. This is more what I've been re-watching because I haven't seen any <laughs> new films over the last two weeks other than the ones that I. I'm going to be reviewing later. Again, I was away for a week and then this week I've been quite busy. So I haven't been everything, but I have rewatched a few things. And, um, first thing I'll talk about is Knives Out. Um, I, I rewatched uh, a couple of weeks ago now. And, um, obviously it's a film that a lot of people have talked about rewatching. It's like a great rewatch film because once you know the, not only everything away, but once you know the, it's a murder mystery and you know the outcome of the murder, you know the, the murderer. Therefore you can kind of reassess the film and, and, um, watch for like little hints and stuff. Obviously you lose the murder mystery aspect, but you know, you, you get that. And I, I thought that I agree, you know, it's a great film to rewatch, but the, the thing that stood out most was, um, Amazon, uh, it's on Amazon prime. They should add it on Amazon prime and they've got the ultra HD for free feature thing. So you can watch it in ultra HD. And I'm trying to say it's one you watch on a TV that's capable of it. It's so noticeable, you know. It's just like 
oh, I hope that I can't wait till that becomes a standard because it's just like it was so so high quality and it's just like that film is such a colourful, um, really well shot film anyway, and just like in Ultra HD that that's pretty damn good. Um, but yeah, so that, that's the first thing, and the other thing I'll, I'll talk about, uh, or well, the next thing I will talk about is the films I've watched in the cinema. They've been reshowing, kind of vaguely mentioned that earlier that they've been uh, putting classic films in in UK cinemas. I've got Cineworld cards so I'm down there every, it was much possible a social distance, and um, and I watched uh, all three of the Lord of the Rings extended editions um, for the first time. Well, I saw them when I was a kid. I saw them when I first watched them. I understand the basic you know, the basic plot, you know, what happens, he fights this person, he fights that person, I know what happened in the end, but I couldn't remember anything past basic events from when I watched it, you know, as a as a wee child. Uh, I'm re-watching them alongside one of my friends who is a massive nerd about Lord of the Rings and he was kind of explaining to me, oh, that's that guy's son of that guy, that guy's cousin with that guy, this guy in the book, this is different, like, you know, getting that kind of guide along for all three films. Um, I, I kind of understood it maybe more than I would otherwise. And, um, really kind of throw me into that world first time really I've paid attention to it since um, since The Hobbit and oh, fucking they're really really good films I mean honestly all three of them are absolutely excellent especially the the, uh, the last one and um, yeah I'm just uh, happy that I got to experience the cinema you, you've never seen The Little Rings properly have you like, you know the basics no really- yeah did, did, wait did you watch them all on the same day or different days so I watched uh, Tuesday Wednesday Thursday each one oh, okay that's nice yeah no I've not seen them yeah, they, they 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 really are worth watching. Again, the extended editions are a bit of ball like. I mean, Return of the King's extended edition is four hours and twenty minutes or four hours and fifteen minutes. Almost so as long def- as uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> exactly, just as long as Zack Snyder's Justice League all together at eleven hours of the film. Um, <laughs> the question is, will it stand up alongside Jack, Jack, Zack Snyder's Justice League? Is one of the best uh, films uh, ever. I'm not so sure, but um, yeah, no, that really, um, that was that was pretty good. And also, finally, I will mention another rewatch in the cinema. Uh, with the same friend uh, I went to go see um, Inception um, on what day is it today's recording on a Thursday I saw it on Tuesday um, I went to go see uh, Inception in the cinema much like uh, Lord of the Rings I remember watching it when I was a kid when it first came out but I couldn't remember anything at all this one I didn't know the plot at all I didn't know anything I knew that Leo DC was in it I knew that you know, you know it was the idea of dreams within dreams but Watched it for the first time, basically, and um, in, in a cinema, absolutely excellent. Uh, my, my head still kind of hurts a little bit because it's a very, very confusing film. But um, I know it's your favourite film ever, or you claim it's your current number one, and I can see why. Absolutely excellent film. Yeah, I love that film. It's one of those films as well, like you mentioned, uh, maybe need to watch it a couple of times to sort of fully grasp certain parts of it. And like I said before many times, it's not necessarily a film that I fully understand, but that's kind of part of the attractiveness and the appeal of, of the film for me is mm-hmm. that and you know much we don't, like we don't necessarily the sh- know and with the shining and, and blade runner we were talking about open ended yeah. endings it, it um has the same thing here and it lets you questioning but again it was quite useful that the same guy that was the lord of the rings super fan uh, that i went with has also seen the film for a few times and he knew inception quite well so quite often i was like going to him and he was like whose dreams this wait is this gordon joseph gordon levitt's dream or is this like cillian murphy's dream and uh, so so who's that guy so what does that mean how do they can do that and like so I, yeah i um because i've been to see seven films at the cinema and five of the seven films i have been the only person there except for the person i've gone with well so I, i've been to a few cinema showings for uh films that we're going to talk about and other films as well and um yeah it's been it's not been empty it's been sort of quiet um, a few of the screens have been a bit busier. Uh, I think Interstellar Wimax a couple of weeks ago was probably the busiest, I'd say. But yeah, it's been a bit mixed bag in terms of 
popularity, but even films that, you know, you wouldn't expect people to be going to see necessarily um, have, have been getting a, sort of a, a middling or, like audience in terms of how you expect, like, you know, f- like four or five other groups of people, so... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah, pretty I mean, it's pretty good being able to be with a few people, but being with no one, I mean, that is so good. See, the thing is, it's like, it's nice, but at the same time, I kind of miss having people around, you know. It's a nice atmosphere, but then also I like being able to talk and not worry about talking over other people and people being annoyed and stuff. Oh, don't talk, don't, don't start about that. There was, there was a couple in, and we'll talk about uh, Unhinged uh, later in our review section, there's a couple behind me in this in the screening with me and my dad and honestly they were laughing and talking and on the phones all the way through and i actually just told them to be quiet at one point and i just felt <laughs> like they, they, they were quiet for the rest of the film and then at the end of the film a person in front of me turned around to look around and see who was talking because uh, she must have been yeah. pretty annoyed as well so it's just it's always that nice feeling when you set someone to be quiet in the cinema <laughs> yeah 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 so well, just, luckily, just I didn't me. have anyone to uh, to do that to me because I could shout out loud during during whatever baby teeth or whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Like, there's nothing more annoying than someone sh- more than shut the fuck up. But it just frustrates me. Like, why go to the cinema? Why pay to go watch a film? <laughs> yeah, especially when it's like you know, like quarantine or like lockdown exactly. or whatever, and then it's. You know, it's not a, it's not the same as it used to be. It's like, why would you pay to go to the cinema? I mean, even if you've got a limitless card, why would you go to the cinema and just start talking for a film? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, just yeah. on Netflix. Did you turn absolutely unhinged Russell Crowe style? Um, I wish I did, to be honest. Because <laughs> what have you been watching this week, JL? So, well, I mean, we say this week. I've what uh, yeah, stretching back, stretching back a couple of weeks because obviously, um, it's been. A little while since we did a podcast that's not like in the normal form. I can like I've podcasting the normal format. So what have yeah. I watched? I can't remember what I talked about in the last episode. Um, but I'll just really, really quickly run through what I, everything that I've watched, and then I'll talk about some things in a bit more detail. So I rewatched Coherence with my brother, which was the really low budget sci-fi thriller, mind-bending film. Even better on a rewatch, one of those films that you pick up on loads of things. Same with Inception, but obviously not on the same scale. Uh, but I watched Blue Ruin, a revenge thriller, which I wasn't, I'd heard good things about, but going into it, I wasn't really expecting too much. Um, just because it's not really the type of film I'd normally watch, but it was actually quite good. Um, then I watched Moon with Sam Rockwell um, and Sam Rockwell. Um, <laughs> speaking of yeah. American Pickle, with someone playing two characters, so Sam Rockwell yeah. did it in Moon. Uh, and when Jack he was and on Jill, the, the Adam Sandler epic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm Legend as well, of course. Yes. But no, yes, Sam Rockwell on The Moon in Moon. And uh, that was quite good. It was from, I didn't actually realise this, it's from the same director, uh, Duncan Jones, who did Source Code, which I really, really liked. It's one of those films that um, I don't necessarily think sort of technically is a very, very, you know, a brilliant, amazing, revolutionary film. But I think um, it's one of those first films I watched where I get like a long inception and sort of some other films where I was like, wow, this is like, you know, cinema's not just comedies and rom-coms and, you know, sort of just run-of-the-mill stories. It can actually have something a bit more sort of mind-challenging or a bit of a different um, thing. So, yeah. So, Moon was really good as well. Um, I also watched Dead Set, the... Oh, it's really old now. For 2008 or something. 2008, I think it is. Um, TV show. Uh, Charlie Brooker from Black Mirror was a producer on it. And it's basically Big Brother... Um, but with zombies <laughs> um, would really recommend it it's on Netflix it's good fun uh, they've actually re 
booted it as a Brazilian show on Netflix with Charlie Brooker also producing it, uh, which came out this year, which I'd never heard of. Might actually get around to watching that because it's, it's a similar premise, just a diff, just it's set in Brazil. Um, I watched Leave No Trace with Thomas and McKenzie, uh, another great film, um, which very little actually happens and there's no clear sort of antagonist and it's very much a personal sort of film and personal journey and sort of self-discovery of a child so that was that was a really interesting film um then i went to watch parasite uh re-released in black and white which uh, i watched as i've already seen before but in the color version my dad and my friend who i went with have never seen uh, Parasite, so that was a very nice experience to get them to watch it because my dad would never have watched it otherwise. Um, and yeah, he sort of really enjoyed it. My friend really enjoyed it as well. And the black and white was, I know they've done it with other films, they did it with Logan and your favourite film of all time, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank and- God that film's less yellow. <laughs> Well, I've not seen those two ones in black and white, and I've heard good things about them. So I thought, okay, I'll give Parasite a go since it's free anyway. I've got Limitless Card now at Odeon. I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. I went to it. Um, it actually did a lot. I think it was. I think I preferred the black and white version overall. Uh, there's obviously certain aspects. So it was the first time you see the house in the very like bright green colours and stuff, which uh, wasn't necessarily as sort of visually imposing and visually striking. But I think in terms of uh, the portrayal of like the characters and the actual unfolding of events, I think was was very good in black and white. And then finally, uh, two films I watched were Blinded by the Light. Um, great film, really enjoyed it. Not necessarily, again, technically amazing, but was good, good fun, something that you could throw in with your family and have a good time with. Um, and I also watched Arctic with Mads Mikkelsen in the Arctic. <laughs> again, another film which is very self-explanatory. Um, and again, a film where not very much happens, um, but it's very personal and very sort of uh, tough to watch. So there are a lot of films which um, are very sort of maybe well-known, but maybe people haven't seen. Uh, mm-hmm. Some I've heard of them, but haven't seen uh, this week or the past couple of weeks. So yeah, I definitely recommend watching some of those yeah, as well. Blind Light Light was certainly one that I saw advertised heavily and I just kind of... I didn't even know that it came out. It just kind of faded away. But um, but I think the um, the Parasite black and white one is an interesting one. I've never seen a film originally shot on colour in black and white, as such as, you know, Logan or, or that film that you said that I don't want to repeat the name of, or Parasite. Um, <laughs> but maybe I'm not art house enough, but um, I don't particularly see the attraction. I'm sure that maybe I would if I actually did watch the film rather than just, you know, come in here with this, my, my preconceived notion of what that would be. But I don't know. How did you, did you feel it really, in, how do you feel it increased the quality? It's just stripping colour away. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm not being deep enough. I'm not. I think it's just enough. because obviously, when I mean, obviously you don't like Mad Max Fury Road, um, but that was obviously released in black and white. And I think when you release a film like that, I mean, obviously it's not the same scale in Parasite uh, because it's not as much of an action set pieces and stuff. But mm-hmm. with the black and white version, um, it kind of you're not as drawn towards looking at sort of, oh, wow, this is really, really pretty to look at and really sort of visually striking. It kind of strips that element away and you're kind of just forced to sort Promote of... storytelling and such. Yeah, you're kind of just forced to sort of engage with the characters and 
um, sort of just focus on the characters rather than, oh, mm. there's a really nice, colourful, I don't know, set design or uh, this really interesting, you know, whatever it may be with colour or cinematography or whatever. Um, the black and white just, I feel, I feel like it helps to elevate um, like, char- like the characters' uh, issues and, and dialogue and stuff. And obviously with it being subtitled as well, I think it added an extra thing because you weren't, it was just one less of a distracting element and... Uh, with subtitles obviously that's sort of sometimes a bit of a, a thing to a bit of a gripe for some people which my dad maybe wouldn't have seen it with without my encouragement um, yeah but I think having it in black and white just meant that there was like one less element of the film which you had to focus on in a way I don't know it just kind of it was a bit also kind of a, 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 bit, a bit of a darker feel um, do you think um, do you think watching a a foreign film that subtitled in black and white in the cinema yeah. is the most film buff you can get did you feel like super like I'm into film because like, I think I probably would <laughs> uh, I, so I don't know I felt cool. that much Look I'm trying me. to think who was actually, actually in like with foreign me. subtitled black and white films the most <laughs> Lane no yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to think what uh, who else was in the cinema with, with us though I think I think there was like a, maybe like a middle aged couple um, and like a couple of individual people I don't mm. remember who there was but there wasn't like certainly wasn't any teenagers or like yeah yeah so it was very much so like yeah you could you could have you could say that some people would have thought that I didn't necessarily go and think you know I'm, I mean, I'm, someone that loved uh, and the gatekeeper of cinema someone that's not an idiot uh, no that's harsh everyone's entitled to their opinion but as most people agreed Parasite was fucking good so therefore oh, yeah. I would be more than willing to watch it in any form um, I don't know if Cineworld are doing it in black and white anytime soon but I might think about going if it is but we are spending too much time on this and we need to be moving on to the news because there's a bit of it this week um, nothing particularly massive except I think the biggest piece of news um, that's come out the last few weeks um, which is the uh, Mulan uh, the Disney reboot is being released on after we keep telling every week we were saying Mulan got delayed again Mulan got delayed again <laughs> finally it saga's ended in we said last time it got indefinitely delayed now they've confirmed they're going to be releasing it on Disney Plus for an extra $30 fee so I don't know what the price is going to be in England the conversion rate I guess is like 25 quid or something but um, yeah 30, $30 extra you've already got to have a Disney Plus subscription which is already £8 a month um, which I actually cancelled my Disney Plus subscription last week because there's no content on it I want to watch for now um, but yeah so I, I think having to they're already paying £8 a month you've also got to pay an extra 30 quid. so if you hadn't already seen it uh, if you hadn't already got Disney Plus you have to pay £38 for, for Mulan which i got to be honest I didn't think looked great anyway um, I, I understand the concept as you said we were talking about this before I was saying it's ridiculous uh, $30 you know nothing costs that much you know you can you can rent films off Amazon for £4 uh, but you were saying you know what if you have multiple f- children I guess especially being a kids film is for families so maybe if you've got more than like three or four people watching it at once five people $30 isn't too much you know isn't too steep but unless there's a lot of people watching I don't I don't think that uh, probably middle of the range Disney film is really worth the money you know yeah, and they've called it a Disney Plus premiere, but I mean, it could just be called Disney's premiere pricing because it's ridiculously yeah. expensive. Um, and yeah, it's one of those things like, I mean, it might be worth it for some people if you would, you know, save money or be paying a similar amount to take, you know, like four children or something to the cinema or whatever. Um, or, you know, if, if, if in certain places where you're allowed to, to mix with different like households and stuff, um, given COVID and stuff, you know, if you can yeah. organize like a group, 
thing, then maybe it'll be worth it for you. But I mean, for like one or two people to pay like $30 is just a bit extortionate, really, for a film which, you know, while I was interested in seeing it, it wasn't necessarily because I thought it would be a great film. It's more just a case of, you know, it's yeah. just. It's a big release. It's a business. An interesting film. film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Antebellum also is going to be uh, £30, um, I think. It's going to be... Antebellum's getting released uh, on streaming services as well, early for an extra price as well. Uh, I wonder if more films will. I'm surprised that New Mutants didn't do that. Um, but yeah, so I wonder how that will go. We'll have to see how that is. And, you know, hopefully it's not going to be the first of many because hopefully this Corona stuff won't be a problem within a year or whatever. We, You know, we don't can't predict but you know i want to say it's, it's going to be uh interesting to see how that works and um, i really really hope they don't do that black widow which is a film i'm looking forward to but seeing as cinemas are starting to come back more and more in the uk at least in the uk i hope that they still go through and uh, and show those but um we have got a few different pieces of news that are linked together by superhero films have got some directors Yep, we certainly do. So, uh, Olivia Wilde, director of Booksmart, uh, is going to be directing a Sony film uh, in the Marvel, like the Marvel, whatever it's called, Sony Pictures, Marvel Universe, whatever it's called. um, uh, And it's believed to, yep, that's going to be coming out and it's been teased that it could be a Spider-Woman film, uh, not confirmed, but that's been the the tease that's been put out by her on Twitter. There's an awful lot of people like thinking who's it going to be because it's going to be a, we know it's a, a uh, in the Spider-Man it's only Spider-Man universe thing and it's going to be to do with a female character so it might be Spider-Woman but then if it's Spider-Woman is it Jessica Drew Spider-Woman or is it like Spider-Gwen Spider-Woman and then people are like because Spider-Woman has nothing to do with Spider-Man and like do Sony even have the rights to her she's an Avenger so it's like a thing and people are saying it's going to be Silk or whatever so like it's yeah, it could, it could be, be one of many things, I guess. Black Cat? I don't know. Like, we don't know yet, but there's a lot of speculation amongst the... Uh... Well, I mean, Olivia Wilde tweeted a picture, like a spider emoji, so... I see. I'm it figuring... probably will spider one. The question is, will it be Gwen or Jessica Drew? Yeah. There's also the... Um, uh, what's she called? The Madame Web, which is also rumoured to be in production. I don't know if that's got a director or anything attached to it, but that's also, I guess, maybe an outside choice, but I would guess, given the... Um, given that Olivia Wilde's been, you know, sort of linked to directing, she's probably going to be one of the, uh, like, Spider-Woman and Jessica Drew or Spider-Gwen or something like that. So mm-hmm. we'll have to see. But, yeah, interesting to see what um, happens on that front. And then also other superhero director news. So Candyman's Nia DaCosta uh, is going to be directing Captain Marvel 2. So director confirmed for Captain Marvel sequel and also JC Chander uh, who's the director of the Netflix Triple Frontier film which came out I think it was last year um, is uh, has literally just in the past couple of hours been uh, well I'm not sure it's been confirmed but very heavily linked to uh, be slated for the director of uh, Craven the Hunter Sinister Six uh, film also um, going to get in the Sony side of things with Marvel so yeah interesting that they're kind of pushing forward with these this Sony universe and interesting mm-hmm. to see how it interacts if at all with like the Tom Holland stuff and whatever from from the MCU yeah it seems like they're very much uh, doubling down on their anti-heroes um, after uh, after Venom did uh, box office well and critically awful um, but yeah Tom Kevin Hunt is definitely more of a, a B-tier villain than um, the Venom uh, but maybe it will 
it has the advantage of Venom, which is that people don't know what he who he is outside of the superhero community, whereas everyone knows who Venom is because of Spider-Man Three. But um, yeah, and obviously Morbius as well is coming out uh, next yes, year as well, so that's another another film that they're going to be doing. Another anti-hero one, and a bit of unrelated news, and uh, a bit of news relating to what I've been to watching this last week, talking about um, putting stuff back in the cinemas. Obviously, they did all the Rings, they did Inception, they're doing Interstellar, they're doing Dirty Dancing, Empire Strikes Back, Karate Kid, all that. And uh, the news that have come out of that is that the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone has passed one billion dollars in the box office after the film, nearly twenty years after the film was released. So. They have been um, showing in Cineworld, I think anywhere with IMAX and Cineworld as well, have been showing each one of the Harry Potter films, um, one after another, I think that was two weeks ago now, and um, obviously people are more inclined to go to the first film than the sixth, so the first, so Philosopher's Stone was a, a bit of a success, and that meant that it pulled over uh, the, the, the 30... 30 no the 26 million required to finally push it into the the 1 billion threshold so um that's quite insane that the coronavirus has uh, ended up in pushing a film made in 2001 into uh, into the billion range with the, the kind of selection of, of others it's interesting as well because obviously the philosopher's stone when that came out like you know almost like two decades ago mm-hmm. and you consider that in after inflation and stuff like it's what so it, need, it needed twenty six million to cross the one billion. Nine hundred seventy four million prior to the re release. Yeah, and so that was. I'm assuming that's only adjusted for inflation. Mm. So, given that it only took you know twenty six million, like in comparison relative terms to its original thing, um, you know, it's probably adjusted for inflation. Do you know what I mean it's like probably yeah ridiculously high box office so yeah but it's nice to see obviously a, a very sort of blood film um which or, or, you know otherwise wouldn't have been at that uh, that sort of landmark has, has managed to get over there i mean i'm not obviously i want the coronavirus to end and things go back to normal obviously everyone does but i'm quite enjoying the, them resharing all the films at cinema it's one that is one little positive i am quite long may it continue that they show hopefully this pushes them to show old films in the cinema back when things are normal yeah, I guess it's just a case of would people go and see them if there was other things coming out? Yeah. And would it be viable like financially for them to do it? But it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, there's. I mean, even when I went to watch Interstellar in IMAX, that was an IMAX screening, so it's more expensive and it was packed. So yeah. um, I think there's, there's definitely a, a market there for, and an interest from, from like moviegoers to, to go and see films that they maybe not have seen like I did or just films they love that they want to go watch or whatever, so... So you've yeah. got a first of two pieces of uh, TV news. TV news, yep. So Seth MacFarlane and Chadwick Boseman uh, have been uh, penned to produce a Little Rock Nine series, which is in development. Um, obviously, Little Rock Nine uh, about the nine African American students who were enrolled in Little Rock High School in the fifties. Um, so yeah, that's obviously uh, will be an interesting and timely story given what's given what's going on in the world. Uh, right now, in the conversations that are being had um, with the Black Lives Matter movement and things, and obviously, um, just in terms of you know, there's always a, a sort of interest in, in stories like that. But I think, given the, the given the nature of of what's going on, I think that might maybe as uh, as maybe you know, given more of a, a rise to stories like that to be told, and and you know, so sort of long may that continue, really. Um, so yes, Chadwick Boseman as well, continuing forward mm-hmm. with with a lot of projects uh, recently. So nice to see him attached to. To a TV show, yeah, of course, and uh, and always nice to be, uh, you know, in his time of uh, when there's a lot of 
discussion of uh, racism in America to uh, to highlight some of the uh, the progress they've made um, in, in in back in the in the fifties in the start of the civil rights movement. And uh, the second piece of of uh, TV news we've got today is a uh, more of a funny note, which is uh, Tom Hardy is going to be narrating Amazon's. Uh, new series of their all or nothing sports series uh, focused on Tottenham Hotspur um, <laughs> uh, as an Arsenal fan um, you know it's quite humorous that, they've, that Amazon have <laughs> got these you know they Amazon went to they've done all or nothing in America with American football a lot they went to uh, Manchester City a couple of seasons back they you know put up these, these really high quality uh, cameras and such it was really cinematic and there's inside locker room um, views and there were uh, you know sort of Pep Guardiola talking and all this all this money Ben Kingsley doing the narration all that stuff to to have this famous Manchester City season with, with Pep Guardiola 100 point season you know they, and they, they we won the, the League Cup and you know you had an absolutely excellent season do you win the FA Cup as well that year? Right. Uh, no, that was season after. That was season after. You did win the League Cup. Um, you got 100 points, most importantly. And, um, and it was massive. And then they've done the same thing. They've got Tom Hardy, obviously massive, massive actor. Uh, they've got these these film cameras inside the locker room to <laughs> highlight a season the way Tottenham <laughs> didn't get Champions League, when Tottenham sacked their gaffer, when Tottenham did absolutely nothing and won less trophies than Arsenal so um, yeah I'm sure Amazon are really happy with their purchase there. but it's a defying season according to Venom yeah because they moved into a new ground so well done to them eh? yeah I mean they got Venom to narrate it's probably you know <laughs> <laughs> Mad Max and Venom actor Tom Hardy it's part of the uh, it's part of the Sony universe yeah, yeah, they're going yeah, exactly. to get Jose Jose is going to be cast as, as uh, Craven the Hunter he's going to be Mad M Webb Madame Webb, yeah. I could see him fitting in the cat. It's a special one, more like the sticky mm-hmm. one. Okay, last bit of news there. Yep, um, more Netflix news again. Um, happens every week now. I guess Netflix are just. Of course, you know, and then obviously we'll talk about Project Power later, which is for their next big release. Yep, so this is news that Netflix is testing out a shuffle button on TV devices that's going to play uh, randomly selected titles. Uh, not sure how much use that's going to have if at all they'll probably trial it and it won't get used and they'll just not not implement it uh, it seems like a kind of a pointless thing because you know if you, there's, there's multiple ways you could randomly pick something to watch on Netflix I mean it might help people who have, like me who have got like 60 or you know I mean I've maxed out my Netflix watch list my like my list on Netflix it, it won't let me add anything more to it it won't let me add anything more to it because it's really full. I didn't even know it did that yeah, neither did I until it happened, and then I was like, oh. Um, so maybe it helped me actually decide on something to watch. Um, I yeah. guess the, the big uh, advantage of that is that if you just want to like have that in the background as TV, you know, just like when you're doing shit, you know, like you're, you're pondering around the yeah. house or whatever, you're playing Xbox, but you want the TV on, you're just like, oh, I'll stick Netflix on shuffle. Yeah, you I mean you could do, but then there's a risk that you'll end up with some watching something that you actually want to watch another time yeah true. I mean so, some people suggested um, in sort of comment sections and stuff below this news article people were suggesting they could potentially have like a channel section where you know if you want to watch a horror film you can just go into the horror channel and it will just sort of have like horror stuff there or whatever or however they do it uh, or if you wanted to watch like a comedy or whatever you can just go into like a comedy channel um, which could also be another way of doing it um We'll just have to see how it works. I doubt it's going to catch on. And also, um, I'm not sure 
if this is an official extension or not, but I just saw a headline on Twitter for a Netflix extension that's uh, in the works, which is going to show the screenplay alongside the film. So the example they used, I think, was the social network from the one I saw. Um, it did have some horrible letterboxing of the film because obviously you have to split screen it. So the film was tiny. The screenplay took up half the screen and the letterboxing at the top and bottom basically took up like 75% or something ridiculous of of the, uh, of the screen. So I don't think I will do it. It's an interesting idea. And obviously there's those YouTube videos. I think it's with like, I forgot what the channel's called, but they have like a screenplay thing where they show the screenplay at the bottom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that, yeah. Which might be better than doing it at the side because I feel like it's obviously, there's obviously disadvantages of doing it at the side. Maybe if you at the bottom, it might be a bit, a bit easier to to fit in. Um, but it's always interesting to see the screenplay, but maybe I think people who want to do that are going to find their own way of doing it rather than having an official extension which takes up you know half the screen well it's um, nice to have the option I guess yeah I don't, and like I said I don't know if it's an official thing or if it's just something that someone's designed on Chrome or something so uh, just mm-hmm. keep an eye out for that if you are interested in that it's uh, well worth looking up okay that's uh, that fans about everything up that's uh, what we're talking about this week um and uh, we might have had some time for traders and stuff, but we are running behind a bit. Uh, so we're going to now go into the main uh, meat of the bish. We're going to be looking at the six films, uh, Project Power, Proxima, Unhinged, An American Pickle, Baby Teeth, and The Hunt have all been um, either released in cinemas recently, re-released in cinemas, or uh, in that Project Power competing with cinemas on Netflix. Um, I'm going to spin a wheel. Uh, it's going to tell us what film, we, which film we, you're going to, either one of us are going to review. Um, and then um, I'm going to set a timer on my phone for five minutes and we're going to have to try and speed review all of these f- six films and uh, and I want uh, when I after I start the five minutes I want you to give a quick synopsis of the film uh, before you go into reviews just so that people know and also can we hide can we it might be hard especially in Proxima but can we try and keep as spoiler free as possible okay okay spin the wheel that? let's go spin the wheel okay first spin goes four I hope it's not one of mine because I'm not ready yet. It isn't <laughs> one of mine. It is The Hunt. So I am okay. going... Okay. You have to review The Hunt if you can give a synopsis of that. Okay. Go into your review. I'm starting the time, the five-minute timer in five, four, three, two, one. Okay. So The Hunt, uh, It's it was released earlier this year in March, I believe, in the UK. Uh, re-released... Um, since lockdown has been lifted to so sort of, you know, get sales up for cinemas and stuff. Uh, it's the film that Donald Trump started going on a mad rant about and then didn't actually know what the film was about. And then it turns out it was nothing like what he thought it was about. Um, and yeah, I mean, the fact that the film tried to say it's the most talked about film of 2019, which never happened. And it's now 2020 and it's coming out and you should watch it. And it's, yeah, I mean, when a film has to say it's the most talked about film of 2019, uh, it's probably not going to be a very good film. Um, it wasn't too bad. Uh, so the film is about 12 strangers who wake up in a clearing. Uh, they don't know where they are or what, how they got there or what they're doing. Um, and they, there's basically this conspiracy theory going around that um, these rich liberals are hunting um, people for sport. And so this is kind of that's going on in the background and they're all like oh my god this is part of the conspiracy like it's actually real um and it's basically 12 people 
being hunted by these rich elite liberal American people. Um, yeah, that's that's basically the premise. Um, and in terms of what I thought of the film, uh, obviously it's been out for sort of a few months and then lockdown happened. So uh, in terms of actual like lifetime that it's been out in cinemas, it's relatively new, uh, which is why I decided to talk about it. Um, it was the opening of the film. I mean, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but the opening of the film was not what I expected. Uh, there was a couple moments where I was like, okay, well, that just happened. Um, and it was... It was a, it was a good sort of, it was a good film. Had some like good moments, good some funny moments, some good action. Um, it was very much if you've seen Ready or Not uh, with Samara Weaving, it's a kind of similar, not not completely similar, but like similar premise of being hunted and there's the social and economic um, underlying like social commentary, very violent, very bloody, very sort of satirical and sort of these really sort of badass uh, female protagonists with uh, sort of, you know, quip, satirical... Halfway. Say again? Halfway. Well, halfway. I thought you, I thought you were saying... I don't know what I thought you were saying. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was it was good fun. Um, uh, it wasn't, as I've said, with sort of some of the films we've talked about before, it, as, and as will maybe it could become apparent with some of the other films that I watched. Uh, it's not necessarily groundbreaking cinema, but uh, for what it is, it's, um, it's entertaining. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's just what it says on the tin, really. It's, it's you, it, and there was this big thing last year, obviously with the, with Trump coming out and talking about it and saying, oh, it needs to be banned and all this sort of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it, it wasn't necessarily what I thought it was going to be in terms of that kind of political commentary or, uh, some kind of you know social message under, underpinning it that was there but it wasn't necessarily as prevalent or as as clear or as um, as structured as I thought it would be I thought it would be a bit more sort of not necessarily overt but a bit more prevalent throughout um, but it was it was actually it was good fun it was good action um, some of the acting was a bit questionable but some of it was, was pretty good um, but yeah I would, I would say if you've got a chance opportunity to go watch it and you've, and you've seen um, sort of some of the other films that have already come out and you want to see something new definitely, definitely say give it a go um, but as I've said it's not necessarily revolutionary um, but yeah it's, it's and it's kind of hard to say too much without giving One spoilers or without giving spoilers but um, yeah that's that's basically it there's so much more to say without, Fine, without spoiling seconds. yeah without, without spoiling there's not really um because it kind of a lot of a lot of it hinges on this conspiracy theory and um, the character, like the lead character, and sort of what's going on really, what's happening, why is it happening? So it kind of I don't want to spoil it, as I've said. Um, but yeah, that's that's my review. Good action, some some funny moments, um, but could have been a lot better. And I'd say Ready or Not was overall uh, a more clear and, and and better film. Yeah. Got, so got 15 seconds just say something 15 seconds uh, 15 seconds um, there's a pig in it at one point or two points which is which is pretty cool 6 five. Uh, yeah oh. the hunt <laughs> <laughs> okay nice oh wow you've, got, you've actually got a sound effect yeah I've got a sound effect man you think I'm not honestly we're going to be top of the iTunes rankings in months because of my dedication to the cause 
Okay, lovely. So we're going on to the next review, and I'm shitting myself. It's me. I'm spinning the wheel. It is Proxima Unhinged. Nope, it's an American pickle. This is once again oh, another Jordan okay. Luke McDonald uh, okay. um, film. So I'm going to start the timer. He'd spend five minutes talking about American pickle in three, two, one, go. Okay, so American pickle. Don't uh, mind spoiling film. the first half of the film, by the way. Like it says after like halfway, it's like a problem. I mean, yeah, but even still, like, there's a... Okay, it doesn't matter. I'll, there, I mean, there's a point in that other film, like, right at the beginning, which would have actually been a spoiler, because it kind of was a bit shocking anyway. what happened. But anyway, American Pickle, cool. Uh, this film is a, certainly a film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could say that Seth Rogen and Seth Rogen got himself into a bit of a pickle... Um. So so yeah, it's pickle Seth. Um. So yeah, this is a fictional town in Eastern Europe called Schlupfsk or something like that. Um. And so Seth Rogen plays two characters. He plays uh, the oldest, the older Seth, and the younger Seth. The older Seth uh, is in Schlupfsk. He gets um. He's a refugee. He gets sent to America. He falls into a pickle vat. Uh, he gets preserved in the pickle brine for a uh, hundred years, and then he comes out of the pickle brine. Um, I guess how he comes out of the pickle brine? He gets found by a kid on a drone because it's modern day, and they have to establish oh, it's the modern day. It's really cool. Um, no, it's fair. I'm speaking like as if I didn't like the film. I did actually quite enjoy it. Um, but anyway, so. Yeah, so old old Seth, he comes out of the uh, he comes out of the pickle, he f- and then he finds out he's got a living relative, and it's his great grandson, I think, uh, who's also played by Seth Rogen, and um, yeah, he they basically sort of interact. Um, they he sort of you have the tip, you know the expected moments where. Um, the older Seth gets, I keep saying the older Seth, it's called Herschel Greenbaum. Um, <laughs> Herschel Greenbaum, uh, is, is interacting with Ben Greenbaum and is learning about modern life. Uh, he always wanted a seltzer, which I learned the word for, which also came up in the hunt, the word seltzer. It's like fizzy water, basically. Yeah. Uh, so Herschel Greenbaum always wanted to buy seltzer water, but he could never afford it. And now Ben Greenbaum has a seltzer machine where he can make his own seltzer water. And it's a, okay, it's absolutely revolutionary. Herschel Greenbaum can't believe it. Um, but yeah, so basically the premise of the film is Herschel Greenbaum meets his great-grandson in the modern day. Um, ben Greenbaum is a like app developer who's been developing an app but has never published it. Um, you know, he's just been sat around in it for years developing it and he's never gone out and taken a chance with investors or whatever. Uh, Herschel gives him the motivation to go and do it. Um, but then circumstances arise which mean that he can't get investment. Uh and basically because of the circumstances Ben and Herschel fall out and um, yeah and that's basically the film and it's about Herschel is setting up a pickle business um, and it kind of pokes fun at this hipster kind of culture of like you know vintage food or like using recyclable reusable waste products to you know make food products uh, with like 
you know, reusing glass jars or whatever. You, and it, it kind of, I did enjoy the film. I'm, I'm rambling on about what actually happened in the film, but in terms of like a review, in terms of critiquing it, I thought it was good fun overall. Uh, it was actually better than what I expected it to be, even though I kept defending it in the other podcasts. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. Uh, there were certainly sort of some jokes and moments that sort of didn't land and weren't as funny. Um, and the messaging got a bit muddled towards the end because they kind of tried to bring in like a lot of different strands like free speech and um, truth and commercialism and capitalism and business and products and uh, the modern day and there's a lot of different strands that they kind of tried to pull in which some of them didn't really work and it wasn't very clear but it did, it was it was actually quite funny um Seth Rogen, someone who has not necessarily seen a lot of um, what I have seen him in, I've actually quite enjoyed, and this was no different. Um, wasn't necessarily a revolution, um, but as with the hunt, I've gone both. I've got a three out of five, um, and I guess in terms of messaging, I'd rather that a film says little about a lot of things than says nothing about anything at all. Seven. Six, um, Seth Rogen gives good performances four. in both parts and has a very good score and some decent cinematography nice stuff let's, let's see if you uh, like, I was going to say I, I did see one of my friends uh, on Letterboxd uh, gave the film a, a review and it, it, I think it was just the, the whole review was uh, guy goes to the US and instantly becomes a capitalist <laughs> yep so okay so I want to let's see if you are lucky enough to get Anna Hinge should we just do my one. last one no I'm, no, we're, we're spinning the fucking wheel bro. okay okay it might be me. It might be you. We don't know. Is it going to land on Unhinged America? It's, oh, I forgot to take out American Pickle, so it's not that. Let's respin the wheel, boys. <laughs> American <laughs> Okay. Project Power, Proxima, Unhinged, or Baby Teeth? It is Project Power. That's my first film. Okay. That is the new Netflix film. Um, so I'm going to be doing, starting the... Now. Five minutes. Okay. So I've got a look... I'm not going to be able to see the timer. So, Project Power is the newest Netflix film. Uh, that's one of the big ones they pushed in, pushing. Like the one before that was uh, probably The Old Guard uh, or The Kissing Booth, I guess. And um, it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jamie Foxx and an upcoming uh, young actress called Fish- Dominique Fishback um, as these three um, different characters who are all uh, trying to get to the... Uh, to kind of stop the production of this new drug which gives you a superpower for five minutes so it's called power um and it's kind of got these three different characters one's like an anti-hero one's like a, a hero one's like kind of uh in the middle and um they're all trying to go for uh for, for this for this drug and 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 kind of stop it it's being spread throughout new orleans and you can take it you might have super speed for five minutes or super strength for five minutes or you can be like on fire for five minutes things like that and um it said so they I saw it on tele advertised quite a bit and um it's quite a, a bit and it kind of to be honest was a a bit big of a letdown big letdown for me um it um over went for it it didn't seem like the kind of thing that could be shown in the cinema when it came to stuff like cinematography and lighting it did come across as something more like akin to a netflix original like a a jessica jones or something not like you know uh, something that's worth being in the cinema such as the other films i'll talk about um it kind of prioritized a, a grimy dingy look over 
good looking cinematography the script it was often oversaturated i thought that a lot of the problems came from that and i thought it kind of prioritized the vibe it wanted to show over good storytelling or whatever uh, a lot of the music didn't fit it was very like a lot of like kind of popular music and stuff that, that didn't particularly uh kind of work but what the strengths were i felt um came from um the special effects whilst the the look wasn't good the the the, the superpowers did look particularly effective um points the fire looked great and and there's a chameleon man that could change color it did look good but i don't feel that um we cared enough about one of the like one of the three protagonists is a cop that's uh, joseph gordon levitt he uh hasn't got any backstory particularly we don't know his motivations when he comes along to save the day at various points i don't see why the audience is supposed to care about him or prioritize him over the anti-hero which is jamie fox and i felt they did a bad job of kind of overstacking the story on two of the three characters the young girl who's basically a drug dealer dominic fishback and the uh, jamie fox who's trying to find his daughter f- via the, the the power scheme of or the kind of the, the pyramid scheme of, of giving out power drug um so i felt like they, they really didn't um kind of pace it well when it came to the characters um i, I say again the main issue i did have with the film was the way it looked the, the, the plot was what you'd expect from a b-tier superhero film really that, that's what it is much like the old guard um i think there's a lot of strength i was just uh, gonna say the old guard <laughs> yeah it was very much there's a lot of comparisons you can make with the old guard they're both films that are superhero-y but without superheroes in them like overtly and they both kind of don't seem cinema ready um and they're both kind of one tier below that maybe like the music's placed badly in both films and um and maybe some of the strengths come from just the superpowers being cool like this film i certainly would say was better than the old guard uh, but not by particularly much um they randomly swap, swap out who the protagonist is so the antagonist is at various points you know i'm not going to give spoilers away but you know who is supposed to be the big bad changes about half an hour before the end um Again, you know, it's, it was cheesy at points. I'm saying a lot of negatives and 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 not much uh, positive. I guess I could say that the costume design looked good, the set design looked looked fine. Overall, I probably would have to say give it a miss unless you want something. It's very easy to watch kind of Netflix film. You know, it's like you know watching you know you know Fantastic Four or something. It's got some cool superpowers, but it's not a good film. Um, I think uh, with Netflix trying to push the the cinema and and with releases like this and the old guard, um, they're trying to compete, but it still shows that they are quite a distance away right now. They can't make an uncut gems every release, um, and they they're gonna be struggling sometimes to uh, to deal with the industry standard in in stuff like cinema photography. Um, it was um, I think it was it was directed by the uh, the brother of of neve from catfish that's a that's why i kept talking, I talking about catfish <laughs> oh, okay uh it did star casey neistat he uh, makes a, a cameo which is which is a uh, positive and, and also machine gun kelly but um yeah overall um yeah b tier c tier superior film that i really would not recommend anyone watching unless they haven't got anything else to watch basically and my time should be running out now okay i, I have a question actually just I know you haven't listened to me, but I just have a question about yeah, that sure, film. Sure. Um, well, two two kind of questions. First oh. off, okay, no, yeah, okay. Does it have any comedy in that, like any good comedy in that film? No. Okay, so it's not even attempting to be funny. It's it's, it's it, it does. I mean, it hasn't. It has comedy. It's nothing. Okay. Laugh out loud. It's like kind of like little jokes here and there. It's not at any point. Right. Laugh out loud. Okay, and the other question I've got. So. When I first read the premise of this film before the trailer came out, 
I had the impression that the pill you take gives you a power for five minutes, which is true. Mm-hmm. However, the power you get is the same every time, right? Yes. Because I think it would have been a way better film if the power changed every time and it was a random power. Mm, I'm not sure. I think that the... Uh, maybe this I haven't is, seen it, but... I'm making, like, maybe I'm making this review longer and I'm saying a point I should have, but I think the strength did come from the premise. I thought it looked quite cool and like knowing what like the person had in their bag. I'm not going to give a spoiler away, but one of the main characters, you don't find out their power until the end and that the whole thing is like what their power is. Some people's power just means they explode and die. So there's like a risk of it. I mean, I... I I, I just feel like when I first when I first run it, like oh you get five and you d- and you don't know what your power's gonna be and like I remember in the trailer even the tr- even I think it's Chosen God and Love it says something like you never know what your power's gonna be or something yeah I don't know I just feel like it would have been a more there's there's more sort of potential there if you know because like once you find out someone's power it's kind of like eh, cool you, they've they've got you know they've got fire or they've got yeah they, they're invisible or whatever but like. I don't know. I've not seen the film yet, so I can't judge it, but good I feel premise, like it would have been interesting. I forgot to make you give ratings, but we're going to go at the end and give all our ratings together, I think. Well, I already gave my two for the other two anyway. Did you? Oh, yeah, of course uh, you So I'll yeah, give... Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm really making this like a 10-minute interview thing. I'm going <laughs> to give... Um, I'm going to give Project Power a... Five, four, five out of ten. Five out of ten. Okay, what did you give Old Guard for? Um, yeah, I think so. Okay. Okay, it might be the same. So it's like it's, it, I get, I get five, five to six. You know, six at most. So it's better than the old guard, but not great. Be- yeah, sure. Okay. okay, so Proxima, Unhinged, or Baby Teeth. Let's give this wheel a spin. And it is landing on Proxima. So that's my second. Okay. Review. So let's give this five minutes. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Proxima is a 2019 film that was debuted, I believe, at the Venice Film Festival, but it was only shown in um, Britain for the first time uh, since the lockdown has ended, and it's been one of the first films that was released afterwards. I think it came out the same day the cinemas came back, and it stars Eva Green as a French uh, female, obviously, astronaut, uh, preparing to go on the first mission to Mars. Um, it also starts Matt, Matt Dillon, who, who plays a, another astronaut, and... I'm not going to give any spoilers. It's, this is going to be one of the hardest not to give spoilers. So if there's, if you're too thing about Proxima, maybe I'll give some bits here away without trying to. It's hard. But it's really the story of a mother. It's her dealing with the, the concept of going away and you have to spend weeks and weeks training and then go away from her, her, her young, like six year old, seven year old daughter. Um, and uh, constantly trying to get in contact with her, talking over the phone and stuff, going whilst doing the trailing. So it's really, it definitely was the one that I was the most kind of worried about reviewing because it's very much a, a very strange film. Um, I guess it would, I don't know what I'd call genre-wise because it certainly wasn't sci-fi. They don't really uh, ever go, you know, it's not about the space. It's it's, it's real life um, astronaut training and you, you spend extended periods of the film showing her training and do these these exercises and such. Um, it's more of a, a drama, a personal based drama, you know, akin to, you know, something like, like Forrest Gump or something where it hasn't got a real strong point or, or a thesis or anything. It's just a story of someone's life in a way. Uh, and I think um, a lot of the strengths come from the extensive realism um you know it shows the actual like what astronauts have to do before um 
going up, uh, you know, all the extensive training they do, all of the, uh, the, the dealing with being away from the family, dealing with what they can eat and can't eat, being in quarantine, all that kind of thing. And also shows the realism of a relationship, um, you know, in real life there isn't good guys and bad guys and I think one of the things this film did well was not create anyone that is objectively good or bad every character does something stupid or, or off in the film every character does something good in the film just because that's what real people are like um, however I think that the strongest negatives of Proxima come from the realism in that um, there isn't um, any particular narrative there isn't any big payoff you know it's just a story of things that happen um and, and sometimes especially a film that uh, i felt and this should never be the case in a good film a film that i thought was a lot you know when the film ended i thought this film must be three hours long it was you know wasn't even two you know so i, I think um a lot you know it felt a lot longer than it was uh, because it dragged on i thought the pacing was kind of off there um you, you know it it felt like you had been spending weeks with this character just like slowly going through the same stuff every day dealing with the with the uh, her fellow astronauts um but certainly a strong showing of the the pain that um that the astronauts have to go to I've, one issue i also have with the film is that a lot was the beginning of the film um she gets talked about her being a girl uh, matt dylan who's her fellow astronaut um makes jokes about her being a cook on the flight um and it's kind of whole thing is like and then you know when she's talking to to some of the russians or whatever she's like talking how she's proud to be a woman however she often gives into weakness um, and prioritizes her child and, and her emotions over the mission and, and over her getting uh, ready and i think that was counterintuitive and points if you're showing how how women can do male jobs why are you acting like she um is too weak for it you know if she and she fails in in some missions and such where no man is shown to if you're going to be going for the the mission the the female empowerment narrative why do you show her being weaker than the men um, I say one of the big positives comes from the cinematography which is absolutely excellent and crisp at all times it isn't stylized. you can barely notice the camera's there which is obviously always what you want with cinematography the performances of Eva Green uh, she was excellent and I'll say the I'm someone that hates children as much as me. I can strongly um, <laughs> praise the performance of um, her her daughter, who is an actress called uh, Zelie Boulon Lemessel, who's I believe her first uh, acting credit was absolutely excellent throughout the film. Um, in, this film did uh, was I'm sure it has a lot of international appeal because the film is mainly in French, but has large sections in English and German and Russian. Um, overall, uh, a, a a great spectacle and a great showing of the lives of astronauts and and especially female ones but sometimes gets bogged down in realism to the point of boredom and uh, lack of narrative i think that's what i'd say um so, so i think overall uh, whilst i've given up i've stated the the issues i think overall i'd probably say that this film is between a seven to seven and a half a ten definitely worth a watch okay it's yeah just and again just a quick comment as well it sounds very um, there's been a lot of films recently with like space settings that aren't necessarily about space that are a bit more personal obviously there was Lucy in the Sky with Natalie Portman which was a bit of a critical failure last year but um, mm -hmm. which kind of had you know this, this similar concept of like a female astronaut going out and uh, returning to Earth and you know sort of suffering from you know she's been out to space and now she's come back to Earth and it's a sort of the psychological yeah. battle. And then there's obviously Interstellar, which has very close family ties with a space setting. Ad Astra with Brad Pitt. 
there seems to be a lot of films recently. Gravity, I'm not sure how, I'm not seeing it, but I'm not sure how closely that ties into sort of relationships and stuff. But um, yeah, to, certainly Interstellar, uh, Ad Astra and Lucy in the Sky seem to be in a similar vein to, uh, to Proxima. So, yeah. Even comparatively to those, the sci-fi is not pr- uh, prominent here as much. It's very much, um, you know, it's it, even compared to things like that. I think it, it takes the personal to an extreme, and the sci-fi is okay. lesser. I think it uh, sounds. It mm-hmm. sounds like Leave No Trace, then, which I talked about earlier, um, where very little actually happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's much more about just sort of two characters. Where in that in that instance, it was a father and daughter, um, just their existence, really. Yeah. Okay. And. Um, Next one, yeah. So, is going to be. So we've got the choice between unhinged and baby teeth. So this is the last, last of our two things. And I've got to say, uh, the most anticipated. I was very interested in what unhinged was like, and um, you know, obviously, I have got a lot of thoughts on baby teeth. So these are the pick of the two best. I think from a personal point of view, let's go. And it is unhinged. Okay, here we go. I think so. Uh, it hasn't stopped. Yeah, unhinged. Okay, so five, four, three, two, one, start. Okay, so Unhinged is uh, one of the newer films that's come out. It's probably one of the first new films that came out since lockdown uh, has been lifted. Um, featuring Russell Crowe. Um, and you could say that Russell Crowe is uh, is quite good at playing those uh, quote-unquote unhinged characters. Um, hey. <laughs> um, yeah, because I remember... I remember seeing him, I'm not seeing the film, but I remember The Mummy with Tom Cruise, uh, where Russell Crowe plays uh, Dr. Jekyll, and he was was very good in that role. Um, From the clip I saw, playing sort of a dark undertone of a character, Unhinged, um, is about, he's literally, I'll, I'll give a very brief plot synopsis because I'll be just repeating myself for five minutes if I tell you what happens in the whole film is uh, is, a, is a case of road rage that's gone very bad um, and also Crow is basically hunting down um, the uh, Karen Pistorius who plays Rachel um, yeah he he does not like the fact that she beat her horn at him and because of some other circumstances in his personal life, he takes it upon himself. Basically, he follows her around. He causes terror for her family and friends. He um, is very sort of sort of creep is creepy character and dark. And um, at times, it kind of gets to a point of sort of ludicrousness, like ludic. Whatever the word, whatever the word is, he gets. He's very sort of over the top and almost ridiculous what happens and of course of course there's a bunch of like plot holes or um just things that characters do that don't make much sense but um overall i mean because I, I i saw the trailer for this apparently like two months ago on youtube on my youtube history it's on there and i've seen the whole trailer and i don't recall seeing the trailer which probably doesn't you know sound very good it's maybe for a bit forgettable the trailer because i don't remember watching it but um no the the film i i originally gave it a lower score i originally gave it two and a half out of five so five out of ten um i've since actually upped that to a three out of five because i think it kind of takes this kind of premise and just runs with it um it's 
you know, it's no Mad Max Fury Road uh, mm. <laughs> um, with cars, but it certainly has cars in it. And it's very much, you know, a lot of the runtime is is in the vehicles. Um, and the fact that it manages to have sort of some semblance of tension and horror and terror and be a thriller, and it just has basically, you know, 75% of the time it's just people driving in cars. Uh, I think it's a really testament, really, to the to the filmmaking. Um, I think there's a lot of films which have been done over the past sort of five, six years, where whether it be buried with um, Ryan Reynolds or Locke with uh, Tom Hardy, you know, people in sort of confined spaces in very limited sets and uh, sort of not very rarely if at all leaving them and sort of taking one very simple sort of concept and and just running with it. I think he did a very good job of that. I think it's, um, I mean, it was was very much touted as a film that you had to see in cinemas, whether I agree with that. I'm not too sure. There are certain parts though where I think the sound design was actually really good with the engines and the car and uh, and, and whatnot. I think um, those aspects were, were definitely would would be enhanced in, in a cinema in cinema environment. Uh, whether I would pay the extra money to go watch in a Dolby screening, which was one of the offerings, I don't think I would. Um, but I think it was it was a there was as I said before, there's a, there's, there's a bunch of sort of questionable decisions and plot holes and things that make you go, hang on, how did that happen or why did that happen or um, what's going on or whatever. Like why would you do that? Um, but I think there was some actually really cool premises in there. Um, in terms of filmmaking, it wasn't anything brilliant, but I think it, it did the basics right. It got it got what needed to do done for a thriller. Um, Russell Crowe gives a really good performance as this sort of, as a dark and twisted character. Um, and yeah, there was like as with the filmmaking, it, it does what it needs to do. Um, you know, anything that anything that's referenced, there's, there's a couple of things early on, like Fortnite and um, and a pair of scissors, which are referenced early on, and obviously Chekhov style, uh, they are paid off. Um, in in plot defining fashion, so yeah, it was it was a really good film um, for what it was. As I said, it wasn't. I gave it. A th- I think I'm gonna give it. End up giving it a three out of five overall. Um, yeah, I absolutely shat myself when I heard that. Then I, I was just, I was so like just lost. I just wasn't thinking, and then just boom, that kind of. So what was that? Three out of five? Did you say? Yeah, I've given all these a three out of five. I hate your insistence of keeping going for the out of fives. This is an out of ten show, man. Okay, well, six out of ten then. Well, if okay. it's out of ten, then it would vary. Anyway. If it's, that, if it's okay, out, of ten, for- do you want to do out of ten? Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay, so if it's out of ten, I would give The Hunt a six, mm-hmm. American Pickle a six and a half, yep. and Unhinged a five and a half, I think. I see. Okay, um... So, uh, there isn't a... I don't think there needs to be a wheel spin. Spin the wheel. Yeah, <laughs> Do <the> it. Is <laughs> <laughs> it going to be baby teeth or baby teeth? So, yeah, so I'm about to stay in five... five I'm going to go do my five-minute review of baby teeth in five, four, three, two, one. Oh, no, the start button. There. Hello. Okay, so... Baby Teeth is a Australian coming-of-age romance film um, about a terminally ill... Um, teenager teenage girl um called uh miller who um kind of accidentally stumbles across and kind of falls in love with this 23 year old drug dealer uh named moses and um her kind of mission to try and get him to fall in love with him meeting together he steals from very early in the film you know he comes back and steals drugs from from the 
house because that has a psychiatrist and it's a it's a you know it's his love story you know it's it's these two young people who say one's 16 one's 23 so there's a big gap but he's kind of her first love her falling in love with this this boy that that uh, maybe shouldn't fall in love with her back whilst dealing with the the ups and downs of, of dealing with with terminal cancer and you know the the dad and the mum have both got their own problems the mum's also basically addicted to drugs herself the dad is kind of not exactly uh, a big fan of uh, his wife anymore um and i you know as a as a 19 year old nearly 20 year old boy i don't really go to many coming of age romance films um it's not exactly a genre of choice huh call me by your name sounds very funny that's true uh, much like call me by your name I don't know. The problem is, is that I would like to have reviewed. I wish I didn't watch this the same day I reviewed it. I'd like to come back to this in a few days' time. But right now, I can't think of many films I enjoyed more uh, ever. Um, wow! It, it's just it was so beautiful. You know, the cinematography was was excellent. You know, I think mum. I went to go. I watched this one, mum actually, which made some awkward moments. But uh, <laughs> um, she, you know, he, she had some problems with some of the cinematography. Thought it seemed a bit documentary like at points. I don't particularly agree. I think maybe the struggles maybe comes from kind of side, um, side plots that don't get resolved at points. So that kind of stops it from reaching a ten. But it it was. Uh, beautiful i thought you know i think it summed up teenage romance and, and first love um so well um you know it, it you know maybe it happened that it was i don't know it seemed to have had a lot of parallels with my relationship uh relationships and i just felt like so i thought it did such a great um way of summing up uh, relationships and the feeling of teenage love and and, and the pain and, and obviously um there's a lot of narratives i won't get into uh towards the later of the film that um let's give spoilers but i think you know i'm not a big cry emotional guy <laughs> it's the only time i've ever cried at a film twice in the same film um it just um, it's, it's, it's so beautiful. The music is is picked so well, and um, they choose a, a power a power by Tune Yards plays during a party scene, which is an absolute banger of a song. Um, but <laughs> I just thought it, it was so authentic. I thought Ben Mendelsohn as the dad was absolutely excellent, and um, obviously I love uh, any uh, Australian accent is is pretty good to me. And um, and he uh, impressed after I, I pretty much uh, loved him in uh, Captain Marvel as well. But the uh, the main character of uh, of Miller was played by uh, Eliza Scanlon, and uh, she was obviously in Little Women. Uh, played the the Beth in Little Women. She she produced um, absolutely amazing performance that was well worth her receiving the um, Venice Film uh, Festival Award for for best newcomer and. Um, honestly um just uh, absolute i don't know how her performance is, or or the performance of toby wallace who played her love interest uh, could be improved at all really i think um you know i thought they had a chapter system where kind of words would come up on the screen for the start of every thing that happened that that meant that the film maybe otherwise wouldn't have been paced very well you might have been confused about timing but due to the fact that it said very clearly these little like kind of semi-sarcastic uh, comments like at the start of each chapter you know um made you you kind of stayed on track and i thought that was a great uh, narrative device again i think the strongest the, the biggest um negative you can you can say is that maybe there's a couple uh, subplots with, with the dad and such that that aren't really resolved but this um this concept of someone falling for someone that is such a dickhead and he keeps fucking up and over and over he keeps you know proving that he's not he's not a good guy and she just can't get 
hang off a mind, always finding excuses, always finding a way, sums up the, the concept of um, ignoring someone's flaws so much that, that um, is obviously synonymous with, um, with, with young love and just um, honestly an amazing experience and um, I, I kind of, I'm still kind of a little bit, uh, it's still kind of, I'm still thinking about it now since I saw the film, I saw the film a few hours ago and, and it's kind of been kind of, uh, it's got my heart aching now and uh, just an absolutely beautiful film and I, I couldn't recommend it anymore and uh, yeah, probably 9.5 out of 10. Whoa, I'm, Did I'm you expect so that? Disapp- no, <laughs> I'm Did so you? disappointed I don't get to watch it though because my cinema's not showing it. I am a sucker for... See, I don't watch those films. The review has ended. So this is this is just me and you chit-chat. But uh, much like Call Me By Your Name, it's like, which I, is one of my favourite films, I guess. And it's like, I don't watch those kind of films, but I've watched two of them. I love them both. They're like kind of that, that I guess both of them are age gap romance. Um, and they're just both really cute films. And I don't know, I just really liked it. And I don't know if that's my emotions talking for me. I'd like to see what I thought of it in a week, as I said at the start. But man, what a film. Yeah, I mean, the fact is that you've managed to talk about it as an emotional level but also as a critical you know as a piece of cinema like you talk about cinematography he talks about acting and they i don't know if you mentioned about the the dialogue and the screenplay and stuff how that sort of stacked up but i mean yeah so um, believable so believable it's like again continuing my review after and i shouldn't be doing this but yeah honestly every sentence seemed like they were right for the characters it seemed like they could be said nobody did anything that didn't seem built up and yeah i just thought that the screenplay produced a, a really believable scenario so I've got a question for you mm-hmm. so obviously when we t- when we reviewed Radioactive a couple of episodes ago we were talking about Oscars and awards and you know given the circumstances of this year with COVID and, and the amount of films that have been delayed or postponed or cancelled or whatever um, you know would for example would Rosamund Pike be in the potential nominations or in contention for any awards or would you know whatever from that film do you think this film could could have been in the running or could be in the running if the, if any award ceremonies do go ahead any of the major ones I I don't think it had the scope um, that a lot of the films I don't know if the Oscars were um, it, it averages out most people seem to give it a, a 4 out of 5 on Letterboxd so it is liked a lot of 3 and a half to, yeah, maybe I enjoyed it more than others but I think that it wasn't a particularly big deal you didn't hear about it that much um, and a lot of the Oscars is, is a popularity contest so I'd absolutely love for there's quite a few people really that could get nominated, but I think Ben Mendelsohn uh, for supporting actor, or even um, uh, Elisa uh, Scanlon for, for for best actress, for me would yeah. be fine. But whether that's what I was thinking, would would she be in contention? Just because I know obviously she's in Little Women, uh, which was did very well. Um, yeah, I can't see. I couldn't, maybe maybe would have nominated for something, maybe music or something, but I don't cinematography but I don't think it would win anything to be honest I wish it would but I just don't think maybe it, maybe I, I liked it more than than it was and I just yeah but I mean in this year that. I mean with, with the amount of films yeah. that have been postponed and such maybe. like is I mean it depends whether the Oscars are going to go ahead or not because you know the, as I've said there's been I mean you would you would think they would go ahead but given the amount of films that have been sort of postponed indefinitely or won't be out um, before the before the nominations sort of campaigns and stuff go ahead um but it's been interesting to see whether they actually do go ahead with it because obviously there's, there's still a lot of big films coming out this year you've got Tenor and James Bond film and uh yeah a couple of films that are coming out which which a lot of people are looking forward to so by the way I will say Shannon Murphy this is her feature debut directing this film um watch out for her in the future 
Oh, di- debut. Okay. Yeah. For, for feature length. I think she's done TV. But she's done some Killing Eve episodes. I am... Uh, well, there you go. Then I've not seen that, but from what I've heard from that as well, I'm just I'm just so disappointed. I'm not going to get to watch it. My cinemas had it listed. I was going to go and watch it, and then it got pulled, and it's just gone into the abyss. It's the thing is, I think I've been to the point where like it, you would like no one's going to like it as much like this. I don't know. People have given it a five star, but I'm not sure. We'll have to see. <sighs> so my so my joke awesome. just got my joke just got eaten as well. Unfortunately, I didn't even hear it. <laughs> I said it got pulled by the cinema into the abyss and then I said it got eaten by those baby teeth oh I and see and then I don't think you heard it well, I guess I've, had re- I've had to repeat pulled, it now so it's even funny pulled would have been better because TV would get pulled out uh, yeah that could but have yeah, worked so yeah so 9.5 out of 10 I gave Proxima awesome. a 7.5 I gave uh, Power a 5 uh, you gave Oh, so overall, you've seen way better films than me this couple of past couple of weeks. However, so did I see way better films, or am I more positive? I, d- I don't know if you know the thing is you would have given American Pickle a one out of ten, you would have given Unhinged a two out of ten, and you'd have given The Hunter three out of ten. So I mean, I'm more positive on those films. I think I would. Yeah, may I think maybe I'm even being too kind on Project Power though. Maybe that's less than five. Maybe that's a four. But it's not a great film. But if Project awful. Power was better than The Old Guard though, yeah, probably. So yeah, I think it's like a five. No one project should have all that power. Don't start. (laughs) The fox keeps ticking. (sighs) Don't. Okay, let's 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 move on swiftly. Yeah, that's the big review for this week. Um, Oh man, I can't. I'm still kind of in shock from that film, bro. The whole film I've been sitting through that shock. Well, it's just nice to be back at the cinema watching new films. Exacto mundo. And talking of that, what we watch next week in the cinema? Eh? Well, it is the big one. It's the big one. It's Tenet. Now, I've, all I know, I you have is a word. You haven't booked... I have a word for you. All I have a word for you is Tenet. Um, no, you haven't booked though, but are you going to go watch it in IMAX or just regular screening? Just regular. Unfortunately, um, I live in a little shitty... Well, oh, you don't have in, an IMAX screen. I live in a... It's technically, Ely is a city, but there's 25,000 people, so it's not really a city. Um but yeah, there's no IMAX, so yeah, I'm just going to watch it in a normal I never screen. get when people do that as well, though. I live here in this place that has 20,000 people, right? Yeah. And then, but then you just go, oh, well, you live in, like, for example, with me, you go, okay, I live in this place that has a population of whatever. But then you go, oh, but then I live in Greater Manchester, which has a population of however many million. It's like, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean, sure, I mean, you get to the local cinemas, probably fairly yeah, close but to you it's but it's not like like Greater Manchester is like you're not you're close to Manchester I'm like the nearest place I'm close to is Cambridge which is like 25 minutes ah uh, okay but yeah so the old tenant uh, I'm going to go to a seat in IMAX on the, the opening tenet, day that's like a old guard tenant crossover <laughs> that would be interesting Christopher Nolan directing the old guard sequel well I imagine it'd probably be pretty good I still pay to see it yeah yeah um, so Christopher Nolan's big this is um he hasn't really made a bad film ever. You know, that run, I was thinking run of Prestige, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Inception, Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and then now this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it will let down, judging off the trailers and such. The the ensemble cast who's in it, you know, there's an awful lot of great uh, actors in that. Um, obviously, yeah. could could be a let down. I would, again, I'd really be surprised if it was. But um, yeah, hopefully it'll be adding to... Um, to to his, his large thing but it looks great man I'm really excited I mean I'm going in for... say it again this is the first big film that's come out in a long time yeah yeah I mean I'm going into this with the 
not on the expectation, that's the wrong word, I, and I don't want to go in with too much hype, even though I am extremely excited to watch it. Um, I'm going in with anticipation that I'm going to come out of this, and it's going to be very, very close to the top of my of my lists of my film of my favorite films, um, just on what I've seen, the premise, mm. and obviously I watched the six minute or whatever it was, however long it was. Um, that came on reception. I just went on my phone the whole time so I could try and not paying attention. But I epilogue remember. or prologue? I can't. Remember. Is it? Yeah. What's the word? What's the beginning? The beginning is an epilogue. Yeah, prologue. prologue. No prologue. Yeah, prologue. I mean, knowing ten, it could be an epilogue, but yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, no, it'd be interesting. I mean, you haven't seen. So, what have you? Have you avoided everything plot-wise, or what? So, unfortunately, the answer is not at all by this point because the adverts are on every single time that the film, and it's on like telly and such. So, I know it's about inversion. I, I basically know the basics. Okay, of I wanted not to, but yeah, I just had to. Well, because. I haven't. The only time I've seen a trailer for it in the cinema, well, I've been to the cinema like six or seven times now. The only time I've seen a trailer for it was the prologue. That's the only thing I've seen oh, really? in the cinema, which is See really weird. Yeah, pushing that. I've seen. I've seen No Time to Die about five times. I've seen Blind Spirit with Judy Dench about fifty times. It's really weird how much what Odeon do and what cinema do. I've seen Soul as well. The trailer for the new Pixar Soul, which looks which looks quite good. Uh, I saw the Baby really Teeth about eight times before I went to Baby Teeth. Never seen a trailer for that either, but I guess Odeon weren't showing it, so that makes sense. Yeah. But no, yeah, so Tenet uh, will be, I think we'll be reviewing that on the next episode, right? Yes, yes, we should be. Whether we have a special guest or not, that is still up in the air, but we should be doing, yeah, a big Tenet episode, um, and that's, yeah, so probably a little bit less um, talk on the news next week, uh, and we'll be doing a big, massive review, probably cut it into half with a spoiler and a non-spoiler bit. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's that's. Um, do you know so what I'm? I'm thinking I might do. Here's what? what I might do. I might avoid reading anything about everyone else's opinions on the film. Really? Obviously, Don't even click well, on Letterboxd for it. Well, no, because obviously it's only out in the UK on the 26th and a couple of other countries. The US aren't getting it yet, and they're getting on a staggered delay. Like the US, it comes out in October. No, September, I think. But then, even then, it's like a state by state thing yeah. based on your restrictions. Stuff, COVID, yeah. Based on restrictions, yeah. So, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to avoid any interpretation, like anyone. Because the thing is, that I don't want to do is I don't want to like do like with Interstellar. I loved it, but I went like after I'd finished, I started reading about people's theories and interpretations and explanations about certain things I didn't maybe, maybe understand. I was want to for the review for Tenet. I'm just going to go in when I watch the film. Hopefully, I really enjoy it, and then I'm gonna just go to the, do the pod, and I'm just gonna just give my own thoughts, my own interpretations, my own theories and stuff, because I just think it would be interesting for us to, to for us to do it that way rather than read up on other people's thoughts first. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll probably try to do the same, and we can come in here and uh, next week and at that same time and review record our reviews of of that. So. Obviously, obviously, both awfully excited for that. But that should about uh, wrap up this week's version of the show. Um, yeah. If you want to um, contact the uh, the show, you can do it through uh, nowshowingpod at gmail.com or if that's how you can contact me. Uh, if you like the show, five star review on iTunes would be greatly appreciated. It helps us get up in the rankings. Uh, if you want to get, uh, if you want to contact me on, if you want to see my letterbox, it is Sam Houston. If you want to see Jordan's letterbox, it is JLMC. Was it JL McDonald? Um, yeah, yeah and if you want to go on your Twitter 
then it's uh, at by Jordan, Jordan Luke. Luke. And uh, thank you for listening and uh, see you next time. Bye. Thanks, guys.